0: and welcome back to witch fix it's been a pretty busy couple of days i just found out that i'm going to be working temporarily again i do like temp work at the moment so occasionally i disappear for a few weeks into an office and earn some money and then i leave and i come back to doing things that i actually care about this is one of those times so i've been trying to pack as much reading into these last couple of days of freedom Uh, even though obviously i will be taking books to read at lunch because talking to people ew anywho that led me to start picking some of the shorter smaller books on my to read pile which is currently occupying a foot wide space on the top of my wardrobe And I picked up this little book which I bought mainly because I know that I read it or parts of it when I was a teenager and I've been kind of going through a thing where I want to look back at some of the books that I read and evaluate them now that I'm like you know over 10 years later on and whether I still think that they're good or worthwhile i actually had a massive palaver getting this book because i think it might be out of print or you know just very difficult to get hold of because you can't really get it in shops anymore you seem to only be able to get it second hand and because it's such a short book it's like 156 pages and it's palm sized it's quite small um I didn't really want to pay a huge amount of money for it. The cover price is £4.99 and I paid £4.11 for a secondhand copy on eBay. But when it arrived, it looked like without wishing to offend anybody, it looked like someone had wiped their ass on it and then sent it to me because there was like big brown marks all down one side and some of the spine was coming off and the corners were all turned up and I was unimpressed. So I complained and they asked me to send it back. But then two days after that, when I was still waiting to be able to get to the post office they just gave me a refund anyway so i guess it was free is what i'm saying hashtag not sponsored <laughs> and um the book i'm talking about is spell in your pockets by kate west i've previously spoken a little bit about kate west the real witch's handbook which was like my first how-to book about Wicca or witchcraft that i bought with my own money um this was actually a book that a friend of mine had i discovered wicker at the same time as my friends like we discovered it together and we started to practice together um for about maybe six months to a year they kind of grew out of it and grew away from it and also we stopped being friends because you should never be friends with scorpios just take that advice from me and um I always kind of wanted to own this book because I thought it was really pretty. It's like pale blue and it's got like a teal foil words on it and a little pentagram and it looks very cute. Uh, I was kind of jealous of it. So I thought, fuck it, I'm an adult. I'll buy my own copy and give it a quick read because um, this is by Kate West, but it's obviously like a little pocket guide, little spell book type thing. And I think this is the only one of these that she's done. Most of her books tend to be like the big books, like uh, the Real Witches series. Uh, which is like the real witch's handbook craft garden kitchen there's probably a real witch's bathroom in the works somewhere which i would be interested in reading actually and various others Uh, but i wanted to see if this one was any good and it actually is, is, is my takeaway from having read it again. Although I've said it's quite short and quite small, there is a lot packed in here. Um, I've actually read another pocket spell book, which I bought, I think, a, a car boot sale when I was about 12, which was called, I think, like Spell in Your Pocket. And that's what I was sort of comparing this to in my head. That one was basically all just spells, whereas this one doesn't actually get into spells until the last chapter. Uh, which is chapter eight and that is on page 119 of a 157 page book so i would say about 80 percent of it is not even about spells it's actually more of an introduction to wicca at the beginning it gives you a history a very potted brief history of the the craft and misconceptions about witches and wicca so it kind of lists some misconceptions like witches are in league with the devil or witches have hooked noses witches are glamorous or You can tell witches by the way they look and then it goes into what witchcraft is actually about and what we actually believe as wiccans um it conflates witches with wiccans which is quite irritating it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because you can be a witch without being wiccan you could be any kind of religion and still be a witch but um, this is mainly talking about wicca But it gives some brief information like we believe the divine is both male and female, that we are our own priest and priestess, uh, that we don't follow a book like the Bible, that we believe in respecting nature. And there's a little paragraph on each of these to help to explain what those things mean and how we practice those. It's the difference between Gardnerians, Solitaries, Alexandrians. It doesn't really go any further than that, like it doesn't talk about Dianic Wicca or Celtic Wicca or many of the other branches, just those like basics ones. And it gives you a little outline of what a coven is like and the pros and cons of being in one. But again, that's like just two pages. Uh, The section in chapter three is the goddess and the god and it teaches you about the goddess in her triple form, Maiden Mother and Crone. Then there's like a brief outline of different goddesses from different pantheons, like Persephone, Demeter, and Hecate, um and various other pantheons like Egyptian. You've got Keridwen in here as well from like Celtic mythology, uh, and then Thor, Odin, Freya, uh, from Norse mythology. And through it all, Kate West obviously says this is a very brief introduction, this is not all the information, take it further, look at it more, but this is quite a good introduction to have. Then we get into The Wheel of the Year, which to be honest I skipped that section because I've read so much about The Wheel of the Year and also because, and this was my like one bugbear with this book, I felt like the majority of things in it had been literally copy pasted from The Real Witches Handbook or that depending on which one of them came first they've been like copy pasted over into that because although I don't have the handbook anymore to compare some of the phrasing some of it jumped out at me as being phrases that I remembered Uh, particularly in the self-dedication ritual which follows on from the introduction um, which I myself performed at one point and the wording of it seems pretty much exactly the same if not word for word so I kind of get reusing stuff and putting it into different books but having two books that are basically just an introduction into Wicca although this one has spells at the end and that's just like a few spells at that not even that many it seems a bit weird although obviously this being 4 99 it's probably more accessible to teenagers coming into Wicca like what I was and people who just want to like grab a book about spells and things and it's a way to like educate them about wicca and about what actual working of magic is that is basically what we get into in part two of this book which starts on page 77 it's all about spellcraft and it teaches about working successful magic casting a circle and teaches you basically about the importance of visualization which is kind of a key thing uh, a lot of spell books miss out the portion of visualization exercise that you kind of have to do to like raise energy and also form it into a way that will help you they're like okay well you tie a pink ribbon around this thing and sprinkle it with cinnamon and rose petals and now someone's going to be in love with you without putting in any of the visualization or raising of energy it, you're basically just seasoning an object badly with cinnamon um which is a waste of perfectly good cinnamon and it's not really going to accomplish a whole hell of a lot there's also a section about why magic sometimes doesn't work. And that's also quite useful, I think, because it explains a lot about when not to do magic as well. It gives the example of uh, kind of a classic example of asking for money. Um, if you just ask for money, you might find a penny on the ground or you might get left money in a will because someone you know has died. Or your car might be written off in an accident and you'll get the insurance money, but you're stuffed to buy a new car. This is kind of a classic example that you find in a lot of books. And I actually had this argument with someone online the other day because they were like, I need a spell for money fast. And that was it. And they just come into a witch group and posted that. And they were getting pretty reamed for it because who hasn't read this in books previously? That, you know, you can't just ask for money. It can't materialise out of the sky. There has to be a mundane way for it to get to you. Uh, Another reason given for lack of magic working is a lack of belief on the part of the caster, which is fair enough. Um, and also that some things just aren't meant to be you can't necessarily heal people who are terminally ill and it might be time for that person to move on Um, I actually had this um, I think again this must have been in the witch's handbook because when my nan was passing away and when I lost two of my dogs over the last like 15 years I've always kind of sat down for a moment with the goddess and said look I really want them to get better obviously I want them around and I love them very much but if that's not possible if it's their time to go just can you make it peaceful and just take them away with you and have it be as resting and peaceful as possible for them and I think that works better than maybe doing a spell and saying like, I really want this person to get better from their terminal illness when you know it's probably not going to work. After that section, there's areas for magical work to consider carefully. And again, this talks about healing, relationships, the ethics of love spells, curses and revenge spells. Uh, And also uh, an important bit, I think, about protection. I mean, when we think about people, about magic that we need to be careful about when we use it, we usually talk about love magic because that can be... You know coercive and manipulative we also talk about um, money magic for the reasons that i've already spoken about that magic can't just make money we don't really talk about protection that much and this raises quite a good point in that if someone comes to you asking for protection because they feel like they're being hounded or that they're being um, pursued by some dark force that can be a massive indicator of mental illness and that person could need help in a very different way to the way that they're asking you So that's something to think about as well. There's then a very brief rundown on what the magical tools do. Um, Very little paragraphs for each of them. Basically, like the chalice is a cup. It can be any cup. List some cups. There you go. So that's pretty basic. But again, I guess it would help you to identify your first tools. We finally get to chapter eight, which is spells, charms and potions. And this is the bit I kind of wanted to get to because I knew that we'd made... Uh, a tea from this section me and my friend it was a tea to banish negativity and I vividly remember it because I think it was the first like potion that I made um I remember getting this massive bag of dried bay leaves out of the cupboard because her family were vegetarians and so they had lots of spices I don't know why I think all vegetarians have tons of spices because I mean my family eat meat like it's going to be banned tomorrow and we have tons of spices but it just I associate it with vegetarianism don't know what to tell you Uh, so i remembered that and i was really looking for that in this section there is a little bit about the magical power of herbs it gives kind of a list of what it says are basic herbs that you might have around and then a few things that you can use them for i had a tiny almost non-issue with this in that some of the herbs i would have substituted in other ones that are actually more readily available because it says things like basil black pepper cardamom cinnamon and these are things that you'll find in like a spice cabinet if you cook things regularly or if you don't cook you can buy them from the supermarket for like a pound but then it also goes and says bergamot cedar clary sage frankincense melissa myrrh and a rollie. and these are things that you know you might not be able to get your hands on if you were just a teenager who's bought like a book about wicker for like five pounds you might not have access to buying these things like if I wanted to buy any of these things I would have to buy them online you can't just go into Sainsbury's and be like oh yeah I need to buy some uh, Naruli and some myrrh do you do you have any uh, so um I thought it was a bit weird some of the things that have been put on there uh, but you know it could still be useful I guess because some people have like bergamot oil and things like that around uh, the spells actually aren't really that spell like quite a lot of them don't actually have words or incantations associated with them the first one for example is a spell to attract new friends or a partner and it's just um essentially a visualization exercise i don't think you actually have to do anything for that one um there are a couple which have like a few lines and things to say but they are quite involved and they very much explain the beginning part the setup how to start your visualisation, how to continue the visualisation, and how to end and then what to do with the components afterward. It's not just tie a ribbon round a rose and then say this spell three times and it'll be done, which I really appreciate. And I think it's a really good way to write spells. It's definitely a way in which I write spells now. It's not just about the words that you use as the incantation. There's like quite a lot more going on in the background and other things you have to think about before you start there's some quite general ones for like banishing negativity from an area or banishing negative influences coming towards you and I'm going to uh, finish this up with kind of a funny thing that happened because right when I got to like near the end on page 140 I found the tea that we would made and I recognised the ingredients because I remember we couldn't find juniper berries which is one of the ingredients so um, we just used rosemary, lavender and bay leaves And the other ingredient in this is salt. And I thought, well, that's weird because you wouldn't normally put that in a drink. And then I read the directions. It says make the herbs into a tea and add them to your bath. But we definitely drank this. So apparently, like 13 year old me just couldn't read. So that was depressing. (laughs) But um, in fairness, I think you could probably drink this if you just made it out of rosemary and lavender and bay leaves. Maybe even add the juniper berries as well. I feel like those are all edible things that you put in cooking so you could probably eat them although definitely leave the salt out because that sounds disgusting. As far as this goes it was just kind of a fun thing for me to pick up and reminisce about being a teenage witch who apparently couldn't read the word bath and um, kind of think about whether or not I would recommend this now. Um, I mean because it is basically out of print and you can't really buy it in shops it is going to be quite difficult to find but if you were looking to recommend something that is a basic introduction and a very basic introduction to spellcraft if you're like me and you're in like wicca groups on facebook and people keep coming and going how does spells work tell me how spells work what's a book that i can read i would recommend this because it's cheap it's small you could legitimately keep this in your pocket although i don't know why you'd need to um And it also outlines some of the basics of Wicca and the basics of magic and being responsible with it and how it works, which a lot of other spell books do not do. So in that respect, I kind of like it. It does a lot to recommend Kate West as an author, although I, you know, I kind of like all her books anyway. But I'm relieved that she didn't just write a quick cash in spell book. She actually put some effort into explaining how it works and why to people, which is quite cool. And it's definitely one that I'd also recommend giving to like teens, young adults, if they're if you're raising them and they're sort of interested in following you on the path into Wicca or Paganism, it might be a good introduction for them as well. But it's not really going to add anything to your collection if you have even one of Kate West's other books, because a lot of it is duplicate information. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do let me know if you had this book when you were a teenager, if you also drank the salty tea, because I really need reinforcement that I'm not the only one who was that stupid. I mean, I was with a friend, but I feel like we were similar degrees of stupid, and that's why we were friends. If you'd like to let me know any of these experiences, do get in touch. It's uh, Twitter, as usual, which is at witchfix, or email, which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. You can also donate to the Patreon and you can check on Twitter for the wish list for the podcast so you can send in any books that catch your fancy and that you'd like me to get round to reviewing sooner rather than later. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye.